The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. and fellow travelers of the world, greetings from Lovecraft Country, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. PoppyChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, and I am your host and tour guide, Derek Anthony. As we travel through Lovecraft Country, we're going to explore and dissect the latest episodes of the HBO series. Please welcome me on this journey, my co-host, Jeffrey Aruz. Welcome back, uh, fellow travelers. Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. Hope you're ready to listen in on a great show. And Vanetta Berry. Hello. I'm excited. Super excited. I can feel the excitement in the air. All right. Let me open with the guide. Let me open the guidebook so that we can explore Season 1, Episode 2, which was titled Whitey on the Moon and aired August 23rd, 2020. Here's the official travel diary of our itinerary. Recovered from their terrifying night, Letty and George luxuriate in their new surroundings while Atticus grows suspicious of their Artem Lounge hopes. Christina Brathwaite and her Lucifer's father, Samuel, who unveiled cryptic plans for Atticus's role in their upcoming Sons of Adam ceremony. Later, after Tick, Letty, and George stumble upon a clue that could lead them to Montrose, each takes an unwelcome walk down memory lane. All right, let's get everybody's initial reaction to the episode. Let's start with Vanetta. Yay. Uh, that was it. Okay. That was my initial reaction. Okay. Um, okay. There weren't monsters, so that was yay. Um, there was less racism. That was a yay. I mean, it was all very subtle racism, which okay. I can manage a lot better being a southern uh, woman that I am. So, yeah, I like that subtle. Give me that subtle racism. I'm good with that. Don't give me that overt shit. <laughs> now, there weren't monsters or there weren't creatures? There yeah, there weren't monsters. There weren't, there weren't creatures. There weren't. They weren't okay. the scary. The jump scares were not as a plenty in this one. Okay. Look at, so, look at Vanetta learning to fall in love with horror. No, I do not. No, no, she has. I'm so proud of your growth, Vanetta. Big horror. I'm so proud of your growth. Like the little monsters don't scare you anymore. Um, and it's just episode two. We jump scares. We cured yeah. you. All right, Jeffrey. So what was your initial reaction to the episode? <laughs> well, after teasing Veneta. All right. Uh, I thought it was a good episode. I I thought it was fascinating. I love when a show continues to show us, the viewers, its mythology. 
it's world building, and I felt like we got a lot of that in the episode. I, I mean, I feel like we were all kind of spoiled with that one hour and ten minute episode that we got for the premiere. So there was a part of me that was like, where are my ten minutes? <laughs> because it was just an hour. But it was a really good hour, and I, I wondered where they were going because it, I, I did read a little bit about the book. I haven't read the book. Um, so there were changes, and it was interesting. And uh, the messaging was still really good. The acting was top-notch. And I've got to say, unfortunately, I predicted something, and fortunately, Vanetta predicted something. So I'm giving both of us, I'm giving Vanetta and myself pats on the back. Um, socially distant pats on the back, though. Okay. Priscilla, what about you? I felt like this episode felt a little rushed. Like they put in like... Like that 10 minutes was missing? Yeah. I felt, I felt <laughs> like they covered like three or four episodes worth of stuff in one episode. And unlike stuff like sometimes Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or The Good Place where like they could do that sometimes like if and it didn't feel like it was skipping over some things. With this one it felt like sometimes as, as a viewer you were just kind of like huh? What? Oh my god what? Like the, the whole time you were just kind of like rushing as a viewer to catch up to what was going on on the screen in front of you. And I don't know like it it felt rush to me this time around i didn't like it as much as i liked the pilot but i still liked it okay all right well i was scared and confused and didn't know what to say and then i watched it the second time and i was less scared because here's my thing this is the type of horror that i like this is the whole cerebral horror this is horror that is not blood and gut and all of that, but it's just it's 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 like Vanetta said. Um, the racism was not so overt, so not in your face, but it was clearly there, and it was frightening. So that's where I was. Um, they also okay. added a little sexism for measure for some good measure. They like, also added it, we got yeah, sexism this week. Yeah, yeah. Now everybody yes. can have the isms. <laughs> the <laughs> sexism was that, there. Now it's just it's just not Letty receiving well, all of say, it. Now the white women can feel included. Yes. That, yes. that they've had a little horror themselves. Yeah. All right. Before we get into our full journey through Lovecraft Country, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. All right. So, we have a number of things that we need to address. I don't know which one to address first. Can we address the beautiful ass? 
can we address the snake dick? Snake dick was awesome. Snake dick was awesome, and not sure I would have shied away from it. The, the the snapping part of the snake dick, I definitely would have shied away from. Okay. But, you know, um, I could see how it um, it definitely made Letty look at him differently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised when they cut to Letty coming out of the out of the room, she didn't like look down at his pants. That's the first thing she did. I was looking for her to do that. So I'll say this, Priscilla. I think you are right. I think that they probably could have added a few more minutes to this. Um, clearly, so let's go to that scene first. We can jump around. It's fine. Um, we can go to the scene where everybody had their dreamscape. Um, so Letty has... So first of all, they get their memories back about the creatures which in itself was hilarious. So Letty's in a room, and Tick comes in. Now, did anybody else know that that wasn't Tick? I totally fell for the ruse. I totally thought that was Tick. So I was like, wait, what? No, I liked their their their, their whole like scheme of being friends. I, 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 I don't need romance this early on in the, in the, in the, in the mix. It's- I, I fell for looking. it for half a second, but then I was like, yeah. no, because I never saw any of this coming. And I was like, I, I respected the writers enough to be like, if they are going to set up a romance outside of her sort of like ogling his body, which she did, you know, when he was, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, drying off the sweat and stuff in the previous episode, it it didn't seem like it was... Like, it just came out of left field. And I was like, I trust the writers that they aren't just going to do something out of left field. That they would drop hints more than just, oh, she was staring at his body. You know what I'm saying? So, I Mm -hmm. I felt like there was something else coming. Okay. I I didn't trust it because I didn't trust anything in that fucking house. Um, All her clothes fit. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was all stuff that exactly what she wanted. He got all the books that he wanted. Exactly what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, I was already not trusting the house. And then when he, um, when Tick said, um, first off, if you want my help, give my friends their memory back. They start, everyone starts screaming. Uh, the two of them start screaming. And then after that, it just said. And we already saw that he was force filled in his room. I was like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not falling for it. I'm not falling for the banana to tell. No. I, I, um, I didn't trust anything in the house either. And here's the thing: I, I suspected that wasn't him, but I was ple- uh, completely okay with her reaction to him coming into the room. Because I don't know that that was about romance. She had gaps in her memory. She thought that her friend was suffering. And then suddenly she is reminded that there are actual, for real, multi-eyed, nine-foot-tall creatures with with teeth running these these side-backward streets. And she's traumatized. 
and she's alone. So then her friend shows up, and I don't even know if all of, if, if the kissing him and everything was about romance, as it was about I need comfort, I need I, I need an anchor, I need something to hold on to. Absolutely, I just don't feel like I, I just as a viewer, I I knew that there was something else going on. Like I I, I was very suspect. Um, because we got to see more than what she got. I I felt that her reaction and her response was believable, but I wasn't falling for the okie doke. That house was creepy as hell. It was creepy. And even without their memories, they were like, when's the last time white folks was this nice to you? Would I want yeah. You know, like, I don't know what you're talking about, these monsters, but these white folks are stranger than hell, you know? <laughs> like, like, they were still... There was still a lot to be on guard about. Right. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of them being nice as hell, like that that music choice for them when they were being nice as hell was a plus. Like I fucking love the Jefferson. No, you mean the, the opening, the moving on up? Oh, that. Was... Yes. Oh my god! I was just like, oh my gosh. Uh, and I love how they I, I shot don't... that where, where everybody else was kind of in celebratory mode <laughs> and Atticus and was looking. just trying to hold it together. Mm-hmm. I totally would have been like the, the, the old man and would have been like, my books, yay, I now have everything I want. <laughs> I totally would have fallen for it. I'm not a very good horror protagonist. I would have died real quick. But then that the music signifies a... Um, it just... I felt like there are all these dog whistles that, that are in this show packed into it by juxtaposing the music choices that they choose, which are so definitely um, anachronisms for the time that they're in. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely part the landscape of the show as an extra prop. Whereas, like in most shows, especially period pieces, the music is very much about like whatever was was hopping at the time. Um, unless the people, unless that the um, characters are engaging with the music, like when they're singing, mm-hmm. it seems like the music acts as a totally different character, and I love it because I, I have I I feel like Wilona was my she was my spirit animal, and I loved every time she sang it. I would just be like, "I love you so much." <laughs> so yeah, I, I had like a visceral reaction to that. So much of the music in this episode, I had reactions to, as if they were characters. I understand that. I completely get that. Um, I have a question: Who all is having lunch? The bring the bell rings. There's a white servant where there used to be black servant. Mm-hmm. And lunch is served out on the patio. Who's having lunch? Well, if it's salt and pepper added to it, maybe. <laughs> no, but say you're in this position. Are you going to eat the food? Well, yeah, because you have to. They're watching you. I don't think I would. I think I still would have been like... What could I possibly eat? What's the least amount that I could eat so that I don't pass out, but also keep my wits about me because I don't know if this food is spiked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like move the food, move the food around so it looks like you ate more than you did, 
eat as little as possible, but you kind of have to, like, the, the the whole point of it is, like, in, in the end, you're going to have to eat something. Jeffrey? Yeah, I agree. Um, try not to eat a lot. Um, for me, like, I would have become hella suspicious. I mean, already you have to be suspicious with, you know, your favorite books, clothes that, um, you know, you would wear that's in your size. The fact that she was like, this needs some salt and pepper, and, uh, you know, the butler comes in and isn't like, oh, what do you need? No, it's, right. here's the salt and pepper. That would have been hella suspicious. That would have been sort of like the like the icing on the cake for me to be like, okay, something really strange is going on here. But clearly, uh, Letty and George were both just really entranced by the house more than um, Tick was. Although George, you know, is the one that was like, they're watching us. So I, you know, whether he was as suspicious or not at before, I feel like that's when he was starting to become just a, a, a bit more suspicious and, um, and, and, you know, wanted to, wanted to calm Tick down so that uh, they aren't, uh, you know, not that they were going to stop watching them, but at least maybe, you know, calm him down a bit so, uh, you know, he doesn't make a scene and, uh, you know, get them to start doing whatever it is that they wanted to start doing sooner rather than much later on when at least, you know, they've gotten their bearings on the house. Yeah, first of all, George is a very wise man, and nobody should ever go anywhere without a George. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 would, I, I agree with everybody. I would have eaten, because, I mean, if you're going to poison me, you're going to poison me. And you've been, you've been this kind to me up to this point. I, my, my hackles are still up. My, you know, my senses are still on alert, but I'm going to assume that you have been this nice to me up to this point, just to poison me. Cause honestly, I've been at your mercy from the time I knocked on the, well, the time I almost knocked on the door. That's just me. Um, what you think about the village? That one was creepy. It was out of it was like straight out of the village. The movie. It was <laughs> it was strange. You could already tell something was off. Um the racism was not as overt. It was very covert, but it was so covert it might as well should have been overt. Uh, because I mean, it was it, it, they were trying to keep it covert, but it was it was hella over. Like when she went into the whole, yo, the black bears. I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm but like, she was the only one. She was like, the only one. Everybody else she... was just everybody else just pretended like they did not exist. Correct, but that's also the racism, isn't it? Um, you know, not not uh, not uh, seeing them, but not seeing them as people. Uh, but then mm. she sees them as people, and then she immediately goes to race. Oh, the black bears, you know how they get. They are inquisitive, and I'm just like, all right, lady. Your hat should just say, make America great again. I was like, this bitch needs to get run over. That's all I said when I first saw her. I was like, this is, she needs yeah. her comeuppance. Yeah, you know how we vote for MVP? She's, like, my least MVP. Like, I hated her. She's the LVP, least valuable player. She's the LVP. I don't know. I I still felt the racism was was pretty. Well, it's... I don't really like her. Not saying that. 
but I just don't think that um, her racism was not as threatening as the racism in the previous episode because um, she had a lesser uh, a position of lesser power. So she had the dogs, yes, and the dogs did look pretty like angry and like they. I remember experiencing racist dogs when I was growing up where you know there'd be people who would train their dogs to specifically attack black people um and so that was it did set my nerves on end but the stuff she was talking about was just it felt like um conversation to be really blustery to make yourself feel better and bigger mm-hmm. as opposed to last week when those cops literally had guns trained on them and um like their their acts of racism was overtly violent her acts of racism were still very implicit with their violence which is why i wasn't as frightened by her and i wasn't i didn't feel as threatened by her character I do feel like she she could have lived or died. It wouldn't have hurt me one way or the other. Um, I was not invested in her character at all. But um, she's just funny. She's kind of, eh. I, I just didn't have as, as strong a reaction to her as I did to the monster from last week. Speaking of, you were incorrect. I was incorrect. You were incorrect. We did get monsters this week. We did get creatures. It was brief, but we did get them. Yes, true. But like I said, no jump scares. There no was, jump scares. Pop out no, and... it was it was very telegraphed. I myself, everyone told them they should be back at the keep before dinner. They didn't make it back before. Um, did anyone else find George's memory strange? It's his 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 um, memory bubble, so to speak. With the lady. I... No, no, no. When he was talking about uh, Tick's mother, so there's when they're when they're heading back to the when they're heading back to the to the mansion and oh, they and he started talking about like I knew about your mother. Yeah, your, I remember it's this thing that your mother told me once, such and such and such. Well, clearly, and it's... he tells. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Clearly, it's important later on. So that was that was put in for the payoff later on. Um, I I I don't know if he would have remembered it had they not, you know, been in that situation. I feel like a lot of times, you know, people tell us stuff, and, you know, family members or whatever, and you know, it's a little story, and you're like, oh, okay, that's that's a, that's a little story, and, and so you end up forgetting it until something triggers the the memory of the story mm-hmm. and and I feel like the the trauma and the weirdness of the entire situation and then hearing something that sounded familiar with the history of the house that helped trigger that memory for him it was and very realistic in the fact that especially from this time and even before um especially with black families. There's a lot of family history that gets lost because people just out of shame or 
whatever, they choose not to talk about it. We have very strong oral traditions as well. And yes. if um, if your grandmother was a great storyteller and then your mom wasn't, you may not get good history unless you pick up the mantle from your grandmother. <laughs> 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 so some of that, that data gets lost. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I've done some ancestry searches for some of my family that I knew before they passed. And even with the knowledge that I had of them, their history is still a mystery to me, just from the things they did not talk about, to finding them in places where, how did she get here? How did, and, it's most, and unfortunately, it's mostly the women. You can find men a lot easier when you go back and search than you can the women. I, I am really excited to um, that we're following his matrilineal line um, because we have his um, we have his father and that line is more accessible. But this lore and this story is really following his mother and his mm-hmm. mother's mother and his mother's mother before that. And um, I'm really excited to to see where it takes us. Very excited to see where it takes us. It takes us into the higher up part of the castle manor with Tony Goldwyn as Samuel. Such a biblical man. For a biblical biblical man. Mm -hmm. He does want to be considered Adam. He is looking for immortality, which I personally think is highly overrated, but, you know. All your friends die. Every immortal that I've read about, really miserable. Really miserable. Was anybody else uh, happy to see Tony Goldwyn fresh off a of scandal? Well, well not, not fresh. fresh. I've been not, not necessarily fresh. It's been off for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was interesting. And then I was like, oh, he's going to be a bad man. Well, not that I liked Fitz, but um, I was like, oh, he's going to be worse than Fitz. That's where I recognize him from. Oh yeah, That's I was like with the with the different hair, like Gerald Grant from Scandal. Yeah, and uh, the voice of Tarzan. And you can trace his lineage back. Tony Goldwyn is a descendant of the Goldwyn from MGM. Yeah, from Metron Golden Mayor. Mm-hmm. So all mm-hmm. of this is in his blood. He's playing someone who has all of this in their blood. And yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Fritz either. Fitz either. Yeah. So I, I actually I enjoyed him in this role because of the whole Fitz thing. Because everything I, I mean, I haven't seen Tony Goldwyn in a lot. I think I've seen him I think this is the fourth time that I can remember seeing him in something that I can just count off off the top of my head. Um, the first was his episode of Designing Women. Oh my god. <laughs> you went back. I went back, back. But that's the first time I remember seeing it. Because um, that was a very special episode of Designing Women. That was the HIV episode. He he was actually, if actually I believe, because it's been a while since I've seen it, I think he actually had AIDS. And he hired the ladies to plan his funeral. And they all had to 
sit and get in their own feelings and they had to and 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 um the head sugar baker um I don't remember either. See, they should play this like they play the Golden Girls. Um, had to fight um, anti-gay people because they were calling, you know, it his the those people's disease and all of that. Um, so she got to give one of her famous speeches. And then the second time she I saw him was in second time I saw him was in Ghost. That's why I remember him. From. Oh yeah, I remember him. Yes. Ghost. Yeah. Yes. So, except for the first time. Always a bad guy, always an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, he said that he and his daughter rarely agreed on anything, and I think you know that probably has a lot to do with the fact that she's a woman, and he did not have a lot of respect for women. But he not said that his daughter, not at all. Um, so the. Do you guys think that Christina brought Atticus there to help her father or to mess up his stuff? I think he was a foil. He was definitely there to mess stuff up. I think she's used to doing a lot of things to make her father happy, just to try and grab that ring, to try and do what's best to finally gain his approval. And... This was just one of the many things that she's done that might go against her grain, but it's to please daddy. I, I didn't think... get the impression that he wanted that dad wanted um that dad wanted Atticus there. I didn't get that impression. Well, I disagree with Vanetta because I think he needs Atticus there for what he's trying to do. Uh, but I I agree with the first part of what Priscilla said. But then I will add that, yes, you know, she has always probably wanted her father's approval. She wants the ring. She wants to be, in essence, legitimized in a patriarchal, misogynistic world. But I think at this point, she probably wanted chaos. Like, I I, I don't know if she really, really... She might have been that way for all the years, but I think she, at this point, she's like, fuck the patriarchy. And, and I think she um, she wanted the chaos. But I, I feel like she, she, I don't think she was surprised by how, that's just, this is my just reading on the character. I don't think she'll, she will be as surprised by the chaos that had, had happened by the end of the episode. You think she left the book out for George? I think she did. I think she, because we saw her already, and we saw her saving our people. Um, she's a white savior. <laughs> we saw her saving our people, and uh, clearly she wanted them there. And uh, um, I'm going to call him Tony Goldwyn. What was his name again? Samuel. Samuel. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to get it wrong. Uh, but Samuel knew about it because Samuel was like, was it Samuel or was it the random uh, white friend that was like, oh, you know, we saved you from the creatures and we saved you from, you know, the racist police and this, that, or the other. So clearly um, the machinations for getting them there were already in plan. 
uh, were already in place, I should say, and and the plan was to get them there, sort of like at um, at all costs, just as long as they don't get harmed. But I I do feel like she was trying to she was trying to do something, and uh, you know we got a little bit of like uh, mischievous Eve. And this, that, or the other. And, and I don't want to paint her as being mischievous. But I feel like maybe as a woman of that time, she was just sort of tired of always trying to help Daddy. And um, and really nothing coming from it. I I, I also felt like she... I, I did not feel like she was in any way in alignment with what her, what her father wanted. Um, and I felt like that was evidenced. By one, she gave the friends back their memory, um, and two, when Atticus tells her, like, "Why are you doing this? You know, your father is, you know, he's never going to, he's never going to give you the respect that you want." And then she kind of gives him the the ring with the. You know, sometimes you just have to seize what you need to, you know, like that little nod, mm-hmm. which clearly he's able to use later at the precise moment he sees that opportunity, which goes back into what he had, um, what she had said and then what her, what his uncle had told him. Okay. I just want to say again, the music was the best character in that scene. Because <laughs> I'm a humongous Gil Scott Heron fan, and when I heard that, I was just like, "Yes, this is like the perfect, perfect music for this incredibly insane scene." I agree. It was it yeah it it was uh, I mean the that what um what is being said in it mm-hmm. is in essence what we're seeing you know it's like yeah because it's talking about sort of black people's struggles and how you know they're struggling in essence to get by but yet you know they're using all this money that they're taking from us and they're going to the moon mm-hmm. and in essence that's exactly what's going on there he ain't going to the moon but he's going to the garden of eden because he wants immortality and uh, and and you know the much like, you know, the white man is sort of like sucking uh, the money dry from black people. You know, literally, his life force is getting sucked dry by this white man that wants to be immortal, that wants to visit the Garden of Eden. Yup. It was beautiful. Until he flipped the script. Well, yeah, the script was flipped, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got this power. Let me try this. I like how he's looking through the, the vortex. At his grandmother mm-hmm. while pregnant, who essentially did the exact same thing in her day, as far as like you know, flip the script with using utilizing the power against uh, that family. But um, the Braithwaite's that is that the name of the family? I believe so. Um, yeah. Yeah. How he is? He's looking through the vortex. He sees her. And gets this, like, everything falls into place and he's able to do this. Basically, all the white folks were turned to stone and then, like, smashed to smithereens and the whole house implodes on itself. 
That was freaking awesome. So you took it that they did that to her. See, I didn't think of that as I was watching the episode. What did you think? I just thought she escaped the house, because that's what they said. I mean, it looks like they're just power hungry. Like, I, I, they seem like the type of people that if, you know, their little nephew was, you know, a direct descendant and they can be tied, whatever, 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 to the, you know, to, to, to the, the power that's needed, that they would have sacrificed an old, their family member. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't, because, like, she's, I, I, well, I mean... I guess it it could have been her. I, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't even think of that. Like, I wasn't thinking of that. I was, like, into the story, and I, I just hadn't thought of it. I, guess I in, suspect in... that they tried to use her because she was pregnant. Oh, okay. That isn't that surprising. I mean, That it's... was my suspicion, was that they tried to use her because she was pregnant with um, Titus's child. Oh, okay. And... You know, again, you're talking about exploitable people. I want power. I don't want to sacrifice myself because I want power. Correct. So, you know, here's some here here's my blood in another vessel, but I don't really care about it. Yeah. So. Okay. Then I can I can I can see that. I don't know. I just thought she was, she was in essence a runaway slave. Like she took advantage of the situation. When things were going to shit for these crazy white people doing crazy things, that she ran. But you guys, yeah, that makes more. That makes a lot of sense. That makes more sense yeah. than just taking advantage of a shitty situation. That how did it? How did it occur? How did it suddenly go awry in the past? Yeah, right. Well, it went awry because the spell was wrong, or because she she made it go wrong. Yeah. Well, it also talks about how she escaped during a fire, mm-hmm. and and um, the servant makes it a point to say that um, you know there was a fire, the entire house had to be completely rebuilt, um, and as big as that house was, and as old as it appeared in different places, you know, like the the nooks and crannies and everything. They made, you know, it, that was a substantial property to be rebuilt. And they said they built it exactly like it was before. Mm-hmm. So my thought process was, huh, I bet she had something to do with that fire. And then you see her as this thing is happening through this doorway. In my head, that instantly connected her to the event, through the ritual. And also to the aftermath of the ritual as we see Atticus wield this power that he doesn't know he has. See, because I saw everything also, you saw, but I saw it as also... she was sa- she was saving him. But now adding that extra okay. layer that she was in his shoes makes it even better. What you okay. also see when she's guiding him out of the house. Mm-hmm. As as you see her phantom form, you see phantom flames yeah. around her. Yes, which means she probably ran the exact same route mm-hmm. at the exact same for the exact same reason. That's what I got from it. It was such a out like this entire the first two episodes has been nothing but out of the fire frying pan into the fire multiple mm. times, and my heart can't take it. I, I need I need an episode where there's no there's no fire pan there's no frying pan there's no fire 
Did, like, they could just be chill for a little bit. Oh, that'll be next down. week. Next week will be one let's of the chillest down. episode. I doubt it. <laughs> let's slow it down for you just a little bit and talk about when all three of them were having their um, were having their moments. George and Dora. Not an explorer. Mm. Mm. Now, I was say as I told y'all. Yes, this you, is. You, you said perfect. Yes, you said last week that when he mentioned his mother, when Atticus mentioned his mother, George had a look. And honestly, I'm going to say this because I'm because I'm going to drop a bombshell at some point later on. I haven't read the book. I don't have any actual forward forehand information this is strictly from observation and i'll, I'll say uh-huh. what it is later um these two episodes should have been shown together no it should have just, just, no 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 i and, and and we'll get it because you must go back and re-watch the first episode now. i don't disagree but that would yeah. have been so much for one, for one sit down, you must go back and rewatch at least the first forty minutes from the time, right up until the time they leave Chicago. Yeah, because there are so many things that get harkened back to in this episode, much like Dora. Okay, so George and Dora, let's discuss George and Dora. Vanetta was right. And I'll be honest, once I saw Michael K. Williams, I was like, that ain't your child. Because his whole, all of his demeanor was just the antithesis of Atticus. Well, we actually don't know for sure. No, I'm, I know it for sure. I called Maury. Maury, like, yeah. I called Maury. I got the results. I'm like, <laughs> there's just no way. Like, he is... 100% George's child. Like, okay. he has nothing of this man. Like, he's the antithesis. He has all this stuff that he bonds with George with. There's no way in hell he's um, Montrose's uh, son. It just point blank and the period. Like, yeah. And so, once I saw Michael K. Williams and how he was acting, I was like, okay. Um, Vanetta was right. You kind of get the feeling that Montrose might know that he's not. Oh yeah, he knew that he was like his son. That's why he treats him like shit. That's why he told George. He was like, "We're not talking about this again. We're not talking about this again," because he knows and he doesn't want to talk about it again. Now, Hippolyta, Hippolyta, I don't know if she knows, but uh, right, yeah. So there's that. But after what happens at the end, maybe she might want to have that connection, because well, we'll get there. But, uh, but yeah, I was like, oh, Vanetta was right. I was like, Vanetta, Vanetta, Vanetta. I just be looking at stuff. So speaking of looking at things, Vanetta, I know Mm -hmm. we're going, we, we, we jumping a little bit, but, um, what do you think of Montrose? I can see that he is a very complicated character. Okay. I thought it was. Hilarious! They go to they go to rescue him, and his ass is already escaping. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how the how Uncle George figures it out because what? Oh, his favorite book was The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, he yes. don't be through here. So they figured it out, and then they waited, and then his response was, 
wait, I wrote a letter under duress and now your ass show up? Uh-uh, I'm trying to get out of here. You know, like, <laughs> I thought that, that that exchange was really funny and also very telling about his character. Um, how everything that we assumed about him through the storytelling in the beginning was incorrect. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't um, run off with these people. Um, he may have been put under a spell. Like, they have been put under a spell. Like, so we're getting all this information very rapid fire. They're running. They think they're going to make it, and then they hit that force field, and I'm just like, God dang it! I, I knew that force field. field was coming. I love a force field. Yeah, you, you, you saw it earlier with the doors, and if they're not stressed and worried about where you guys are, you know that they're going to use that force field again. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've never so. seemed like Michael K. Williams. He always plays someone that just rubs me the fuck wrong. Okay, so I <laughs> was affected by the conversation that Montrose had with George when George was laying in the bed from the gut wound. And it is my prediction that we will find out that Montrose is LGBT, which is I the agree source with that. of half his angst. I, I definitely agree with that because there's multiple messages that George knew that Montrose yes. was getting the brunt of the beating from his father and he was younger. Yes. Parents don't usually beat the youngest child before they beat the oldest child unless there's something quote-unquote, that the parent sees is wrong. Two, the place where he goes to look for his father is what we all have already identified as a queer space. Mm-hmm. So that makes so much sense. And Tree, and, Tree is a partner or something. What do you, you mean a partner Tree? or something? Oh, you yes. Remember yes. Tree? The yes. guy when 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 Atticus comes into the uh, bar okay. and the tall guy stops him and says we're closing early and then he recognizes Atticus mm-hmm. and Atticus gives him no gives him dust. Mm-hmm. It's me, Tree. I know who you are, and Tink does not behave that way towards people normally. He's really, he's really hot or cold. Like, he's really, yeah. oh my God, I love you, blah, 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 blah. But if he sees you as a prop or, you know, his spider sense tingles, he gets real cold on you. And that man hadn't done anything in the scene we saw mm-hmm. in the first episode to, to, to turn him cold like that. Exactly. I, I, I believe you're definitely yeah. right, Matt. And yeah. that would also explain why it was such a big and big thing for George to have Atticus raised by him. Mm-hmm. Because maybe that was another way to quote unquote legitimize it. We just haven't figured out where Dora falls in to this story because clearly George was in love with Dora, but mm-hmm. she wound up with Montrose. Or maybe she wasn't with Montrose. We don't know. Maybe that was just a story they saw well, after the fact. They were clear, they, but they, I mean, they were clearly married. Now, whether they actually had sex or not, we don't know. But they True. were married. Man, she got the shitty end of the deal with that. 
<laughs> also, I suspect their family is from Tulsa. They are. Oh, it said that? They reference it. Okay. When uh, she, when uh, fake her was with uh, George. Yes, she mentioned something about Tulsa. And that's how they wound up in Chicago. So anyway, that's my prediction. Um, I think it's a good one. No foreknowledge. This was all detective work. This was all just listening and going back and paying attention to people's ticks. Because again, Atticus wasn't thrown necessarily by dude getting the blowjob in the alley. Because he he never reacted in disgust. He was very apologetic. I didn't know this was happening. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. But he was never thrown by it. And when he, um, when the owner of the club, the bartender guy, when he says, like, um, I don't know, it could, you know, it was a white man he was talking to and he was driving a really nice car. Ooh, wait, he was in a car. Yeah, mm-hmm. a tree saw him. And then he kind of like had this, had this look on his face, like, hmm, okay. So, it could just be the tree is just nosy. Or tree has a vested interest in Montrose. Mm. And I told you, Montrose is in our neighborhood. I mean, it's the LGBT street, like Halstead. Yeah. <laughs> the rainbow. Well, you know, Montrose Beach, Montro <laughs> Beach here in Chicago is, you know, where the gays hang out. All right. So that would be really cool. It, I really think that's. I really think that's accurate. I think we're going to. I think that's what the father was trying to beat out of him, and I think that's the reason why he and Montrose and Atticus have such a horrible relationship. I think he saw a lot of himself, not necessarily being gay or anything, but just if Montrose was an artist and had that beat out of him, and then he has a son who's a dreamer because Tick was president of the science fiction club and you know I know early blurred early blurred early blurred (laughs) and you know black blurred still don't get a whole lot of respect from the black community it's gotten Mm -hmm. better but it's taken years so anything that I missed can we talk about when um, Uncle George dies and I predicted that one yeah, we're like, nah, I don't be worried about Uncle George. Dude, everyone predicted that one. He was do- he was throwing death flags up in the air no, like it was the Olympics. I was like, the only one that said it. He's got to die because he's Obi-Wan Kenobi in this. I hope true. not. Well, I mean, I know we're going to see him again, but I, I, don't, I don't think, because a lot of the internet was like, I think he's going to get resurrected like Letty, because Letty died too, in essence. Yes, he did. And I'm like, I know he ain't getting resurrected. Like, you don't have that tearful goodbye at the end. And you don't have, uh, you know, the song River playing when <laughs> they're getting resurrected. Like, he did, 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 did. Um, I don't think it's the last time well, we're seeing we him. That for Letty. We would have had that for Letty also. No, but there was died, just no died. time. She didn't die, though. But she did not. But that's what I'm saying. She would have. She actually she did die. She just came back. But no, correct. But she didn't, didn't die. Die. To, 
we didn't have time. We had ass shots and and energy and buildings to destroy. Well, no, had she died, died, we would have gotten River and we would have gotten the tearful scene. But then she she did not die, die. She just died. True. Okay. He died, died. He did. Yeah. He did, did. So, uh... Yeah, I was, uh, Courtney B. Vance. Now, we're going to see him again. We have to see him again. He's important to the mythology. We got to get the backstory and all that kind of stuff. So I know we will see him again. But I was like, really? Did he have to die? And I guess he did. I hated that he died. And that is a change from the book. That's a change from the book. He did not die in the book. At least, um, not in the first chapter. As Priscilla said, he was sort of death flags all over the place. I was still hoping the best for the best until he had that conversation with um with the mom. With with, with Dora. Which mom? With Dora. Oh okay. because that, that conversation with Dora was all about him joining her. Yep. And yeah. So did anybody else catch that she said your children plural can fly? Yes. Yeah, little Diane. But if she's dead and we don't know how she died, it's possible that they had children together who are dead. I thought she was referring to Attic and his power. But so every so Atticus has the dream about, uh, has the vision of his girlfriend or whoever she was in um, Korea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they come to some serious blows. Letty has the thing about Atticus and the snake dick. He Which has in the essence thing the about Adam and Eve painting come to life. I mean, let's be basically. real. Essentially, yes. So he has this conversation with Dora, but it wasn't terrifying. Mm-mm. All of those others were peaceful. considered terrifying to each of them, except his wasn't. So did they get his trigger point wrong, or was he in more control of it than he expected? Than we understood, rather. Does that make sense? I, I just no, it I don't makes, understand no, why it, his it, wasn't it, scary. It, it makes perfect sense. Um, I think, I suspect that, again, him being older and him giving that speech. Like, because here's the other thing that happens. When Dora disappears, when Dora goes to kiss him, and she does, he doesn't kiss her on the lips, he kisses her on the forehead, which is a very send-off kind of kiss, nothing passionate, nothing romantic about it. He then turns and looks at the portal where the white people are looking at him. Mm, okay. That's interesting. I, I did notice that, but I, I thought that, see, you took the kiss on the forehead as like a send-off kiss. Like, I took the kiss on the forehead as when I was watching it as he, does, he knows that it's not really her. So mm-hmm. he's not going to yeah. kiss her romantically. He knows that there's something off, even though he might have gotten the closure that he needs. Like, he knew that that wasn't really her. I agree that he knew that that wasn't her. Again, I think this speaks to who he is wisdom-wise. Because 
I think a younger man might have known that was her, but this is what you this is what you want. They're tempting you with what you want. You know, um, I think Tish is the same thing. I think they tempted her with what she wanted. Um, and it just went sideways. I think he never took it far enough to let it get sideways, to let it let it go sideways. Well, what did they tempt? Tick with how? What was how was that? What he wanted to choke out his? I didn't say they tempted. I didn't say they tempted Tick. Oh, okay. I was about to say everybody else got nice dreams and Tick got a fucked up dream. (laughs) He choked her out. But Tick has a very different connection to the power in this house than the other two did. I did enjoy the scene where they were at the dinner, and. Everyone gets a piece of uh, a Samuel, okay. and and Tick looks at Uncle George. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't stand when folks want to give you liver. Ah, oh, that's what it reminded me of. That like that scene that I've had so many times in my growing up home with my family, and they always want to put that uh, that liver on your pet plate. See, I like that's what it looked like. I like fried liver and rice. I grew up on it. Right. Well, you can have some Tony I Gold just ones. think that it's just awful. It's awful, 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 and um, not feeling it. Oh, so, what? And one last ahead. thing. One last thing. Um, for Miss Letitia, we got her side of the story. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'd heard how she didn't come to the mother's funeral and how her, her her siblings were so upset with her and everything. But now we got not just her side of the story, but again, again, this goes back to having rewatched the first episode. Um, we not only get her side of the story with her mother, but we get why she immediately goes into the whole thing with her sister Ruby about the boarding house. Because apparently Letitia's not going to live in no more boarding house. She's not doing that. That's not her jelly or her jam. So I was sad that, that she wasn't sharing this with the actual tick. I was really sad about that. Yeah, because that was a very emotional place where she was opening herself up for white people to enjoy. Damn white people. But you know, they all turned to stone and died. Good. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, one of them got away. The white, the white chick got away. Oh yeah. Uh, um, um, the daughter. I I suspect she left as soon as the damn thing started. Whoop! That's me. Oh, I suspect she she and William <laughs> left. Her, her and her boyfriend. They uh... got in one of them silver cars and drove the hell because, as George said. There's other houses like this all over the country. Not like this, but they have other properties all over the country. So she's got plenty of places to go. Can I just say the house, as creepy as it was, was a character. And it was a pretty mm-hmm. awesome character. That house was beautiful. Yeah. And wait, and can we talk about like giving birth? House. Well, she didn't get birth. But can we talk about her being a, um, a Shagath doula? Oh, yeah. Because that was yeah, interesting. Was I don't really know what the scene was for. Because it was after sort of like us getting introduced to her. 
when you're introduced to characters and, and you don't really know because it seems like they're on the side of the villains, do you have to give us a scene, you know, like, oh, you know, you see a character there, like, you know, feeding the homeless or something, or they're uh, doing charity work, and they're like, and then that, you know, allows the audience to be like, oh, okay, they're, they're maybe not as bad as we thought. Like, do you think that's why that was included? Like, I was very... I don't think that that... I don't think they would introduce... I don't think this particular production group would introduce a trope like that. I don't I think suspect. so either, but I was just wondering why... Why did we have to see her pull the Shoggoth out of the cow? I suspect... I maybe we're going to... to... I, I thought it was just to, like, cement the fact that that's how the family controls the Shoggoth. By controlling them since they were babies, by creating them in essence and like raising them. I didn't get I that. I suspect we're going to get an answer to this question later. I don't think this. I think this was set up. I don't think this was just a one-off scene. Oh Lord, Shagath well, in also, Chicago. Also, we see that um, it's obviously a surrogate birth because that is definitely not an adult Shagath. That is a <laughs> cow and the cow is giving birth and the she was called because the guy says you told us to tell you if it's breach I remember that that. so that means that this is not something she always does she also says explicitly that this is her first time Mm -hmm. Uh, she's not put on any gloves this she was not sanitized. It's not something that she was prepared for. Yeah, she doesn't have like a, a you know long outfit to protect herself. She just gets on in there and, and does this thing, and you know bursts this this baby Shagath. But we also know that um, Shagath can be made from biting people. So it begs the question to me: Did they utilize this? cow as an incubator or was this was the a smaller version of one introduced into the cow's uterus and ate the cow the cow like, there's so many questions that are um swirling and this is one of those that they better pay off or i'm going to be much more angry with them because <laughs> it's scary you know just saying no, you I did know not say very, it was they scary. They don't want to be angry with me right now. You said that it was not scary. This episode was not scary, Benetta. I know. I said, but if they don't pay I'm it off, Benetta. I'm going to be very upset because it's already scary, the, the series as a whole. That's my thought process. So, the last thing I wanted to talk before we get into our ending stuff is partly about the death of Uncle George. Uh, so, Tick makes it out the house. Tisha calls him over, they have a moment, and then she gives him the look that lets him know something ain't right, Uncle George, and he goes over to the car, and he looks in. And I played this part 14 times, because I'm not sure what he's saying. I didn't have this on closed caption. It sounded to me like at some point he said Paul. He did. Okay. I was watching it on closed caption. He said Paul. And okay. then, um, but his dad and Uncle George are in the same space. Correct. But 
why would you say that? Why would you why would you say that to your father if your uncle is dead? Because he's not actually really addressed since they've had since they had the very quick arguments outside, he has not addressed his father anymore. So did we know? So did he know that Uncle George was really his father? Because I'm thinking yes. Which brings that other conversation they had into more focus. Why didn't you protect me from him? Very much so. Again, in these families, not very uncommon. All right. MVP now and LVP. <laughs> I want to um, go first this time. They, okay, you go first this time. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once the character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Go ahead. Music. The music was my favorite character throughout this episode. I don't Starting think anybody going to take that away. I know, but I just wanted to make sure. Um, <laughs> starting with <laughs> moving on up. Going even through the Marilyn Manson, uh, what is it, killing, killing people, and then the last one, which was the title, uh, "Whitey on the Moon." I believe the music was like the most spectacular, ass-showing character there was. Um, there was a song in there that I didn't get a chance to identify before I did this. Um, which one was it? Uh, it was. The one that they played right after, uh, right after Whitey on the Moon, I think. Leon Bridges River. That was the actual oh, final song. Yeah. It, okay. It was not Whitey on the Moon. Yeah, it was. Okay. That's the one where they mentioned the Blackbird and stuff. Oh, black. that was Blackbird by Nina Simone. Okay, that was Blackbird. Okay. So we got two Nina Simone songs in there. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I was like, that sounds like Nina. That's a song that I've really heard because I'm a big, huge Nina Simone fan. Mm-hmm. So I know mm-hmm. her voice when I hear it. Recognize the song, but I recognize the voice. Like the last song, the the, the outro song um, during the credits is a Nina Simone song, but it's yeah. not her singing it. All right. Uh, Jeffrey, MVP. Well, it's good to know that you can just request to be first. You're a very easy mod, so that's <laughs> it's nice to know. So whenever she I want to go first, I could just she, be like... It wasn't her, she requested it. It's yes. that she was so passionate about it. That's what I'm saying. So we got to show passion, and we can request, and we could be first. That's good to know, because it sucks being third at times. Um, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's good. I'm making a mental note. Imagine going last is what I usually do. I know. Well, all mods do. I mod as well. I know the feeling. That's when you come in with a list of five characters, because you just got to make sure. But then when you have somebody that just picks a curveball, it makes your life easy. And if you, when you're the mod and you agree with it, you're like, oh, that's one more character that I can pick. <laughs> because, you know, you end up picking the music, which is a character. I'm sort of... It just, is, it, in this it is. I'm ribbing Vanetta a picking? little bit. <laughs> I am going to give the MVP to, and it's weird because she did pick sort of just like an off the wall type of thing, which makes it more difficult because 
there's so many people still on the table. You know what I'm saying? Because everyone was just really good. But, uh, because I have two characters, so I'm just, I'll just go for it. I'm going to give it to George. Yay! Okay. (laughs) No, because I'm glad glad somebody gave it to him, because he deserves it. Because he number did. one, he died. he died, and he didn't die. He he died, died, as we've um, you know. That's the official medical. Um, that'll be on his autopsy. <laughs> he died, died. In caps. Exactly. Bull. So he was well. First off, Courtney B. Vance is always fantastic. Period. And there was something about him and the character in this episode, allowing us having the character open up to all these different characters, whether fictitious or real, was really interesting to watch because we did get the family dynamic a lot in this episode. And and it was really through George that we got it. Mm-hmm. I thought his acting was fantastic. I thought uh, just the revelations were really interesting and important. Um, we might have lost the character in the present, but his present will still be felt throughout the rest of the series. As I said before, I feel like this is not the last time that we're going to see him, since this is already kind of like a weird show. I feel like they could have him appear, whether it's a flashback or a vision or something. I mean, we haven't really gotten a full explanation on Tick's power and that sort of thing, but certainly the supernatural is is involved in all of yeah. this. Um, but I just, I really like George, and, and he was just, he was a character that I was worried for since the beginning, and I was rooting for him, and uh, if this is his last episode, for real, real, because he's dead, dead, uh, I, I thought he just made a really great impression in this final episode. Like, he was there for his family, um, I'll add Letty into the mix, because in essence, that's that's part of his um, on-the-road family. And uh, we just got some really vital information from him in this episode. So, um, I'll give it to George. Okay. Priscilla? I'm going to give it to Christina, just because she was so mysterious this whole episode and just kind of gave you little nuggets and hints as to, is she good? Is she bad? She's kind of like... I don't know, a film noir, film fatale sort of like person where you don't really know what her what her motives are, but you really want to know what they are, and you really want to like follow this character. And you even when you have scenes that kind of like make no sense, like the burning, like the birthing of the Shogoth, like it's still magnetic to watch because they have her in it. Like she's been interesting since the pilot, and. Now we got more meat to her character, and I appreciated everything, all of her scenes. They were great. Nobody picked mine, so I'm very happy. Mine's is Letitia fucking Lewis. Oh, okay. <laughs> and not gonna lie, I thought you were gonna say Tick's booty. Tick's booty is a close second. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, and this is why. Uh, Journey. Journey did some full on full on emotion work this week. She she was an actress. She had all the emotions. Um we went from joy to um 
kind of okay, whatever, because I'm hungry, um, to concern, to um, responsible, to start fear. And she was fearful a lot. But I will tell you the scene that sticks in my mind the most is when she comes back from the dead and she goes in the bathroom to try to figure that shit out. Because there is nothing more real than stuffing a washcloth in your mouth and screaming into the night. Especially when you've just returned from the dead. So yes, she's she's the MVP for the week. All right. I have a question to you guys. Yeah. So you all noticed that she didn't have a bullet hole, right? Like the skin. Yeah, they completely was... healed her. They couldn't completely heal the uncle. They were going to heal him after the ceremony, after Samuel went to Eden, but he died. Allegedly. So. Uh... He got turned into ash. No, 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 no. They were going to allegedly heal him. Oh. Well, well, Christina said that her father was a man of his word. I don't know. I feel like once you have all the power, are you really going to care? Yeah. Although Christina's still there. I mean, she could have done something. Maybe. I don't know. I, I will... Can I co-sign just for a second Journey Smollett? Of course you can. Because she... I know, she's, I know you love your Smollett's. I know. But she is an incredible actor. Period. Like, mm-hmm. since she was a kid. I mean, Eve's Bayou. Come on, everybody. Well, Vanetta maybe didn't see that, because it's scary. I did see Eve's Bayou, and, and that's where I, I began my... I don't like jump scares with monsters. Okay. But you're okay most with the voodoo. Of it. Voodoo's not scary to me. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. It's All right. religion. We're going to watch <laughs> Skeleton Key together one day. I've already seen it. Uh, Is Do you love it? I love see it again. I do not. Oh my god! I can't figure it that had out. a lot of it had a lot of um, racial stuff in there. Oh well, it did have that. Yeah, in it. And, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't appreciate the way it was misrepresenting. But, oh um, okay. All right. Well, I love the skeleton key. But a uh, journey, I feel, is going to be one of those actors that's going to be like a Regina King, because she doesn't really get nominated, she doesn't get awards, but I feel like one day, kind of like Regina King. She's gonna, she's gonna get her due. Is that the right phrase? Her due, that, her comeuppance. Her comeuppance will happen. She's just good. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I just didn't mean to see her again yesterday. And um, Birds of Prey, and I was like, this movie sucks, but there's Journey. I like her. Yeah. She did okay. She was singing too. I know you don't like her singing, but I mean. You didn't have to say that. I was okay with it. She might be listening. I was okay with it. She knows I love her. Anyway, now we're going to rate this puppy. Um, How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 keys? The point system is allowed. If you found this episode exceptionally deserving of more than 10, you may grant it the coveted golden key. Uh, Let us start this week with Priscilla. How are you rating the episode Whitey on the Moon? I'd give this episode eight keys. It was average. It was okay. But it could have done a little bit better. I love the music. And 
I love. I appreciated the magnitude of the death of the uncle, but I still feel like everything felt a little rushed, and it could it it needed those ten minutes to kind of ease everything for us. Okay. Years. All right. Uh, so eight keys from Priscilla, Jeffrey. I'm gonna give it nine and a half keys. I enjoyed the episode. I really loved the mythology that we got in the episode. I enjoyed getting to know Christina a lot more in this episode, even though I still have many questions about uh, Christina. Uh, I thought the death, uh, the deaths, although one didn't stick, were emotion emotionally resonating for me. Uh, I was, I, you know, I'm, I I enjoy the characters, so I'm constantly worried about them. Because I, I want them to live and survive through the horrors of um, regular life and now this supernatural life that they have been sort of thrust into. Um, so uh, in, in particular, George's death uh, hit really hard. And uh, everything was just really interesting. Once again, another visually stunning episode. A really just thought-provoking episode. And uh, another solid hour. And this is just hour two. Okay. Vanetta? I am going to give this a ring of keys fit for a janitor. Nine of those keys. But janitor slot keys. I think it was a good episode. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't feel rushed. I don't. I didn't feel like it was a rushed episode. I feel like... The time that they had, they used very adequately. There weren't any wasted scenes. It's just a matter of I'm spoiled, and I don't like waiting a whole week to see another episode. So I think it was less a matter of, because if if I were binging this, I wouldn't go, huh, that episode was too short because I'm all ready to the next episode. I just feel like... I feel like they utilized every single moment of real estate they had in this episode to further the storytelling journey. And I really enjoyed that. And they're bastards for making me wait a whole week. They should have released this on like all at once so that I don't have to wait and I could binge it and I could be done already and my heart would be okay. So, But let me yeah, ask you this. this. Vanetta, I hate to remind you, you're Generation X. You're not Generation Z. I don't care. You're not supposed to have <laughs> that complaint. Care. I'm just saying. I don't care. You're supposed to be used but, to the but let me, schedule. But let me ask you. Would you get as much out of it if you could binge? No. Yes, because I'd binge it once to to get through it. And then I'd binge it again so that I can get all the details and be a super nerdy fan. That's what I do. I did the same thing with Watchmen. I completely understand. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't watch Watchmen and when it first came out. I waited. It was like three episodes before the end when I was like, "Okay, I can I can start watching it." I think I did the same thing you did. <laughs> I didn't watch it from the beginning, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Oh, this is good. Oh wait. Oh, this is not the end yet because I gotta wait now." Yeah, I, I was waiting. pretty upset. <laughs> All right, I am going to keep my streak. And give it nine keys. I thought it was a wonderful episode. Um, I just, 
I, I, as I say all the time, I need a place to go up. I have to reserve a space to go up. So that when I bring that tenth key out, or even on the off chance that I whip out that golden key, it really, really means you know that something got inside of me and shook me. So, um, but I, but all in all, wonderful episode. I love the way that it was written and referred back to things from the first episode, little small things, little things that seemed small in the first episode that had much more light shown upon them here in the second episode. So. Indeed. Um, with that, as we end the week's journey into Lovecraft Country, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thank you, announcer. All right, my co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. Don't let the shoguts bite you in the ass. You will turn into a shogun. Safe travels, listeners. Uh, please wear a mask on your travels. Please wear a mask on your travels. And please social distance. Because we talk about the mask and washing our hands. We don't ever emphasize the social distance. I wash my hands, but I do wear gloves when I'm out of the world. Because the world okay. is disgusting right now. Oh. And please, listeners, if you are wearing the gloves, remember that you're still not supposed to touch your face. Just an FYI. Unless you're wearing a glove on your face as well, then you can touch your face. Just don't leave the house without a body condom on. Body condom. (laughs) Just don't leave the house. Stay indoors. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Greetings from Lovecraft Country every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. This is Derek Anthony wishing you a good night. Mwah.